Welcome to the Human Reboot with me, Emma Last. We have uplifting, inspiring, and diverse reboot stories from people sharing the courageous, honest, authentic, and sometimes difficult life lessons. The Human Reboot will provide proven mentally flourishing formulas and practical tips to help you to live life to the full, giving you direction and hope. Make your mental fitness and well-being a daily priority. Learn to pause so that you can get clear and perform at your best. Switch off to switch on. It's time for your human reboot. Today on The Human Reboot, I have with me Sarupa Shah. She's a mentor, teacher, trainer and speaker whose role and magic is to show you how to find your inner star to discover who you truly are. When it comes to spirituality and life, Sarupa breaks the rules and she definitely doesn't fit into any boxes. Welcome, Sarupa. It's great to be here, Emma. And yeah, definitely a rule breaker. And um, there's always a different way. There's always, I just think we follow things because someone once said it. And I like to think, well, why? I'm a bit of a why girl. I was like that at school. I like to think, why? There's a better way. Let's do it differently. And that is what I loved about about you when the first time I heard you speak, because for me, um, it's always been really important to feel that there is kind of some science or practical element behind, I'm going to say the word you hate, woo or spirituality (laughs) and when I started listening to something that you were talking about it was all around money money mindset but it was money mindfulness I thought "Mm, this is really interesting and you came from such a practical yet spiritual perspective which really intrigued me interesting because when I when I kind of was hot stepping between my employed life and doing my business and it started off as a hobby I didn't know I was going to talk about money at that point because money wasn't spiritual enough I wanted crystals and angels and all that kind of stuff because it was the well-trodden path but obviously I broke that rule later on but I remember at that point having this idea I wanted to write a book a spiritual book but I wanted my but the words I was using the way I was describing it I wanted it to be so palatable that my dad would read it because if I talked to my dad about anything to do with spirituality I mean he I don't think he'd even put his head up from the newspaper because he'd just be thinking oh god she's going on again about something crazy <laughs> so but it was like I wanted to make so I do often a thing that I often use to describe what I do is everyday magic it's practical magic because for the average person, if we talk about magic, it just becomes a little bit Paul Daniels for us UK people. You know, you start to think of David Blaine and it's all a bit silly, you know, tricks on TV um, and illusions and things like that. But actually, this is really about practical everyday magic because we're constantly we've all everybody all walks of life experiences something you think of someone that you haven't seen for ages and then you either bump into them randomly somewhere or they call you or you walk into a room and you can feel a vibe of something that's happened some you know they've just had an argument or something you know you you pick up on things and we never question it because we accept it we accept those sort of things and that's part of the magic so I like to kind of show people how to use that inner magic how to find it to create the life that you want whether you're going down a business route an employed route or anything other route you know you want to travel the world you want to go and build schools in Africa whatever it is that you want to do if that's in you then you've got the magic in you to go and do that and that's where I want to show you and give you the tools to actually go and do that and that's what really excites me the the easiness of it all. So would you say that's your mission? It is. You know, for a long time, I've been doing money work with people. For the, In fact, it's 10 years um, this year that I've been, I outed myself as a money person because part of the reason, my big thing from when I was a little girl was I just knew what people were here to do. I knew what they'd be good at. You know, I saw it in their energy, even as a like eight year old, you know, it was just like this thing. And I and even younger than that, I used to look at people's shoes and I thought it was all about what shoes they wore that 
determined what they could do in life. So like the <laughs> arguments me and my mum had about I want I didn't want Clark shoes at school because it was a sensible shoe, and especially in those days. I wanted dulcets. I wanted white little mini stilettos and things like that. So there would be this whole that dreaded day before summer ended, you know, summer holidays ended where you'd have to go shoe shopping and it would be one mighty row because I thought you had to have really lovely pretty shoes so you could do pretty things in life but it wasn't it was energy and I learned that in my I mean it took me to my 20s to figure it out and I've still got a slight obsession with shoes I have so many shoes that I don't wear and I'm slowly moving them out into second hand but it kind of this thing that lingered so that was my thing of just knowing you know, I would know, be able to walk past someone's chair in a job and just know when they were going to leave or, what, you know, what direction their career was going to go, you know, and all those sort of things. And I didn't challenge myself. I didn't question it. It was just the way I was. But as I started to go into my business, what I saw was people would have a dream or a vision for what they wanted to do. And then they'd get into business or do do it part time, whatever kind of mix they were doing. And then suddenly their whole thing about money would implode. You know, can I be paid? What do I charge? Oh, I've never learned how to do sales. I've never, you know, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do marketing. I'm not doing it for the money, people would say. It was all a story that was basically they were using in a way that sounded so justified, like they couldn't, you know, like it was, it had no other, that it was the biggest defense that they had. And it was making them basically push their dream further and further away or locked away or hidden in a box somewhere because basically the freaking out about can I be paid to do something that I love can I can I have the lifestyle that I want can I still do all the good things in the world you know like there's this trade-off that if you've got to earn money well then you've got to not be a decent person you know you've got to be selling your soul somewhere or doing something so it became really important for me as part of my mission really say let's sort out people's money stories let's put this work out into the world because I've I've had it I had this work it was about 1999-2000 that the, the body of work that I still teach and share was created and I didn't take it out till 2011 because I had my own stuff around money you know it doesn't make you greedy you know is it wrong there's people starving people you know less off you know you should just be happy with your lot we make up all this stuff to squash who we are squash our ambition and stop us going out and doing good in the world because clearly you know if you want to go and build schools in Africa or somewhere or you know and and empower people to to create their own wins um money is pretty helpful you know it's not the only thing but it's pretty helpful to be able to you know buy the bricks for example to buy the books buy the pens you know pay the teachers but yeah so I've been doing that and it's just the thing about helping people put their sole purpose front and center of their life I I just get so excited by it (laughs) I I just can't tell that at all (laughs) (laughs) we can see each other so we're like yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so on the human reboot we always talk about challenging or changing times where you've really had to overcome adversity and or where you've had to kind of adapt or change what you're doing would you be able to share one of your reboot stories with us? God, there's been so many. I mean, I, I've described myself often as a spiritual anorak or geek, you know, and the story, I'll tell you a quick story. My dad, when we first got the first ever VHS video, nobody knew how to work it. And it had a remote control that you plugged in, but we'd still fight for it. And it, it barely reached the sofa, you know, but didn't quite know how to work it and tapes would get stuck and and I wanted to undo it with screwdrivers to see how it worked. I, I don't know why, you know, my dad wasn't very pleased with that at all. So I like to break things. I break, I've broken myself several times. So the, what, the biggest one was when I went full time in my business. So I went from, you know, being able to have this amazing lifestyle, you know, as a young 20 something Londoner, you know, living it up in the city to barely earning £60 every few weeks in my business and just dwindling away my savings. So something had to change and I had to find what it was because it didn't exist at that point because 
it was almost like the skies broke and all I could see was I'm a fraud. <laughs> Everything I've wanted to do is a great big fat lie. I'm nowhere near good enough. And for me, there was the added other stories I added in that the universe was punishing me for crimes in a past life. You know, this whole kind of thing of I've got bad karma, this whole thing. Um, and then on top of that, you've got your fam. I had my family. My mom kept saying, you will get a proper job soon again, won't you? Because this is just this is just a phase. This is just a phase, isn't it? Because I was, I was in the corporate, you know, doing really well. I'd moved from public sector to corporate. So you, you will get a proper job soon. It was only when I was in the Sunday Times talking about mindfulness that which was a few years later that she accepted that this was my proper job. And I saw parts of me that I didn't know existed. So the giving away stuff for free, you know, the people pleasing, all these things came up. So if somebody did pay me to have then a healing session for an hour and a half at my house, I was saying to people yesterday, the day before they came, I would turn my house into a hotel. So everything would be cleaned, you know, so that was a whole day's work, you know, everything just sparkling. Then they'd come for their one and a half hour session. Often six or seven hours later, they were still there, you know, because they had one more thing. And I was too worried because they were paying me. They paid me 60 quid. I had to give them everything they wanted. And it was just a disaster for me. And then all that guilt comes up, doesn't it? Because you think, I'm so annoyed. I want them to leave but they've asked me another question and they've paid me. And it was just drama, you know, complete and utter drama. So that was like the first reboot because I had to change because it was either that or go back, you know, and I, I sometimes do wonder, you know, I would have still had an amazing life and, and developed my own spirituality as I have done, but it would have just gone down a different path because we are who we are 24 seven. You know, we don't need this is why I don't put myself in a box you know I'm not a I'm not a businesswoman only at that point or this point I'm just me 24 7 so that was one big reboot another reboot was when um, I was moving to Spain a few years ago sold my house you know I was gonna do like the be a nomad not digital lifestyle crap I just I wanted to travel to learn and grow and, and and create a life that was that wasn't UK based got out to Spain it was all lovely um, very kind of exciting and nerve-wracking and realized that actually in Spain they speak Span a lot of Spanish <laughs> really <laughs> yeah you know I had to bring out my GCSE Spanish that always worked better when I'd had a few drinks weirdly because <laughs> I think we get more confident right so uh, so I'd be like I could understand Spanish more than I could speak it but the more beers I had the more I could speak it and it was like hey isn't this strange um maybe beer helps and um we, we'd come back for work um my then partner, he had, um, he, he basically nearly died when we got back. And that was another, now he, because he got diagnosed with type 1 di uh, diabetes. We, we didn't know he had it. It was just one of those things. You know, we were flying back the day before we were going to fly back to Spain. I said, I've got to find an ambulance. Something is really wrong with you. And then the whole kind of our world changed or his world changed. But what I did, which is what a lot of us people who are people pleasers and don't address it do is not only try and take over I gave up me and it was instant and th that didn't mean I stopped doing my blog or seeing clients but effectively I detached from me so badly I think it was about 2000 that was 2014 and that that took a really good few years because I just went straight down a hole of how how did I not know how did I stop it I've got I've got to protect him I've got to protect him and it all became about everybody else and it was so fast and maybe it was already happening slowly and insidiously yeah but it really impacted me you know it's now as I kind of stand on the edge away from it I can see oh my god everything you know from from relationships with my family, I suddenly became the person that did everything. You know, my best friend, I realised, was treating me like a doormat. And I actually had to split up with her, which was like splitting up. It's like a marriage breakup, a best friend for 27 years. Because I had literally allowed myself to become a doormat and invisible. I, in my unconscious, I was repeating, I don't matter. And it wasn't authentic to the work I was doing, because I'm damn good at what I do you know ridiculously good at helping other people but it was beginning to eat away at me as well thinking if people can see what my lifestyle is like or what I'm how I'm staring at the ceiling at the dead of night 
but I felt like and it was that old feeling that I had when I came into my business of this is some kind of punishment penance I've got to suffer it you know we kind of suffer in silence and suffer quietly which isn't just a British thing to do it's just what we do people because we just sort of think I've got to suffer my lot but just recently I was talking to some uh, my mentor and we actually looked up the word suffer and it means to undergo but it's been almost totally misexplained and misunderstood and judged as some kind of endurance of pain and punishment you just have to undergo something like we're just undergoing a procedure we're undergoing a moment of growth we're undergoing an initiation and that takes the emotional sting out of it but they were you know huge I mean that last reboot from 2014 would have you know really took me probably I mean took me a a long time to recognize I was in that situation even though people around me were telling me you know my mentor was telling me my spiritual community were telling me but I couldn't see it because I was blind to what was going on so I was going deeper and deeper into this thing of everybody else first me nowhere and it's it kind of the sh- the shift of it started at the when we hit the pandemic in the UK you know that was when the kind of the real reality dawned on me of how lost nobody would have known it on the outside world but really energetically and inside me how lost I was to me and what needed what I needed to do to move away from that and to to make the changes and it And that's the thing I think a lot of us feel when we're out there doing stuff that we've got to be perfect, which makes it harder to actually address the bits that we need to. Because I had this idea of if I'm doing money work and helping people with their sole purpose and being really spiritual, I've just got to let everybody know that I'm really, really perfect. I'm so happy, so amazing, da, 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 da. And you don't. You don't have to tell them that you're a complete mess all the time or anything, but it's about just being honest and real and accepting that. I too am on a journey and there's always more, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's, it's amazing. I think still how people don't get to even press play, let alone pause on a reboot because the idea that they need to reboot totally impacts because it did for me on this idea of what do you mean? I'm not perfect. What do you mean? 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 You know, how's it going to, you know, how's it going to look if anybody finds out that I'm going through this? And yet it becomes part of your gold if you let it. Yeah. It's almost like that having it all thing, but from more of the perspective of caring for all. It's like having, having, having it all, but, and, and to the outside world being the, you know, the perfect businesswoman and, and the perfect mentor for example but also I mean it's it's interesting isn't it because if you had a mentor who was totally actually genuinely perfect if we whatever that means right not that it exists but so they'd never experienced any Mm. months where they hadn't earned something you know everything they did it was like I think therefore it is type of thing we wouldn't even be able to resonate to them you know like they had everything was perfect you know whoever you know whatever they wanted to do whoever they want you know their 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 personal life family life everything you know they'd never experienced anything yeah. and that's actually what makes a good mentor or a coach is people who say i've walked that path i've been there and and i always used to say this to people in my money program you know from the beginning i've always said it and 10 years later i still do is i know exactly what's going to happen when they do that program i know week two is when people will have the melt first meltdowns <laughs> of, i can't do this it's not working i've made a mistake i know that i know what we do because i've done it and plus i've been doing it for 10 years yeah you know i know what's going to happen i know which exercises they're going to say i don't need to do that i'm i've moved beyond that now i'm sorted you know i know the games we all play because i've done it i've totally done exactly the same and guaranteed and you know i often do the program when i'm teaching it that particular program I mean I do I teach whatever I teach I do you know my own work anyway because it's a it's the tools I use but it's also it helps me to kind of grow but it's so funny because sometimes I catch myself getting to that same exercise again going I don't need to do that I've done that before you know and it's like 
you know that saying what you resist persists it's like that's the doorway that's going to open or that's the key to open a doorway to something that you need to see you need to address um so we don't want perfect yet we all try we've all gone through phases or are holding a big bit of can i sustain a perfect image so because we think that that's attractive and it's not really and it's it's part of the illusion because that's how the world is people want you know you see adverts on you know the coffee adverts or the oxo adverts and everybody's got this perfect sunday lunch family you know (laughs) type of thing um whereas i know in my family when we all get together sometimes it's whoever can talk the loudest and talk over people that will be heard yes so um what do you think really what was the turning point for you then that kind of helped you to start to pull yourself out of that and make the necessary changes I think I mean and I'm gonna put this out there to the universe I don't want to get to these stages again I think I was on my knees in both situations and I mean the second one I was so unhappy Uh, it was like a sort of spiritual depression you know it wasn't a clinical depression I was so unhappy it was it was beyond the pale that I was living like that and I started to get anxiety you know I could feel like a Sunday I I put it down to drinking (laughs) I put it down to like binge drinking maybe on a Friday and I would never binge drink on a Saturday Friday because as I've got older the recovery time's a bit longer so I might have a few too many drinks on a Friday so Sunday I'd start to get this anxiety and I thought oh it must be drink you know anxiety I think they Mm. even even termed it and I read in a newspaper last year or the year before but it wasn't so I thought let me try not drinking but it wasn't so this anxiety it was so it was creeping in these little like suddenly you know where you Mm -hmm. feel like you've been shot in the stomach and it just feels really like like that so that was kind of where you start to think something's got to change and I but I put up with it for a long time and I remember saying to my mentor and she was like you what you've not even mentioned it and you've allowed yourself to sit in that you know we sit in the crap that we feel for for way longer than we need to it's run out of its sell-by date so it's gone stale and we're still sat in that same crap and the first that first one I was talking about when I came into my business and spent years hardly earning and just living off savings and again it was another real unhappiness that was hidden you know and I was trying to pretend and be stoic about it But it was a real back against the wall situation then because I wasn't earning and it was do or die. Like it was literally go back to go back to employment. And and by then it had been three or four years. So I was my skills were out of date for a lot of what I'd been doing Um, in any case. I know I knew I could have kind of found my way back in, but it was like, what do I really want to do and how am I going to make it work? You know, so that was probably the first chipping away back then around 2006, seven of the bit I was holding about being perfect and pretending I was perfect but it wasn't over because everything comes in layers so it kind of came again but it was and and my health you know your health begins to suffer because you don't sleep your diet suffers you know we know all of these things we know the signs and we'd help and tell other people we'd support them but it take I don't know why it takes so much longer for us to look in the mirror and be honest about what's going on and saying this is the support I need where can I get it from these are the things I need to do that will support me and my clues always are when I start to stop meditating and when I when I start telling people what to do so the do as I say not as I do starts to kick in so I've got I've now learned what my signs are to know that something's going on that I need to address before it becomes that point of a huge you know reboot we can have mini reboots which are which I think are exciting and 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 yeah they can be nerve-wracking and stressful and all the things but it's when you have the kind of major because you've had a, almost like a major life breakdown and life is just, whoa, yeah. it's running out of control. And you're trying to kind of gather it all together to say, no, 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 it's all all right. And we're trying to control it so much, yeah. that, but we can't because it will, it's like a tsunami that yeah. comes in and knocks us, doesn't it? So what sort of mini reboots do you think that you do now? 
so I've had, a, I've had a really good one recently that I did, um, that I'm doing and that I'm definitely, so I, so one of the things I've been looking at within my own journey is trust, not trusting myself because that will go up and down, you know, whatever, but it's about how I trust the universe, how I trust my intuition, you know, and it's always a journey. And again, years ago, I used to think I'm intuitive, which I am. However, it's still a continued journey. It's a gift that you continue to develop. So I've been doing what I call a Barbara Cartland um, a lot of the time. And I spend a lot of time on my sofa, particularly because it's sunny at the moment when we're recording this, <laughs> staring out the window. My logical mind is like trying to have some do somersaults and kittens saying, get back to your laptop. You've got work to do, Missy. But I'm actually allowing that space for percolation. And, you know, and it just that reboot has been phenomenal because it's meant that I've, you know, I'll, I'll be sat there and in, inevitably you go into a daydream if you allow yourself to. And I don't think as adults we daydream enough. You know, it's it's shunned upon, isn't it? And it seems frivolous. So I'll go into a daydream either about something that I'm creating or something new that's coming in. And, and I've had both recently. So a new idea started to come in and it was just like, like I was sailing on this daydream energy um, or just sitting there percolating about something that I know I'm doing. Like, And then new businesses coming in, you know, and that's how when I first started doing my money work, life was. It would be like whatever I did that seemed contrary to my inner kind of personality drive that says, no, sit at your desk. You've got to be there at eight o'clock or nine o'clock and sit there till then and only have 30 minutes for lunch, trying to turn it into a corporate role, you know, and be, don't have fun. It's sunny out there, but you can't go outside because you haven't finished your work, blah, blah, blah. But that's not why I started my own business, you know. And I'm so glad I can't take my laptop outside because it's too sunny because that would really be annoying to sit, to enjoy the garden doing work. I just, I don't see the point. Um, you know, sitting on the sofa and seeing the, the kind of the easy way to to do business, you know, the way that people kind of have experienced where it suddenly just flows and you can't quite put your finger on how or why. And when I started my money program 10 years ago, I used to share the story and I share it now, even 10 years later, people is when I've done anything contrary to what that that inner ego and personality wants everything's worked so things you know what that we might do oh no I haven't had a good week not going out for dinner we're not getting a takeaway we're not going out for we're not going out for a meal you know just got things in the freezer we'll eat that type of thing you know it's not been a good week that client didn't renew nobody signed up for the program this week da, 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 da. or or we have these hurt like weird hurdles ahead of us saying when they sign up I might buy my new cushions or I might you know get myself a bottle of champagne and we have all these kind of weird and then they sign up and you still don't get the new cushions because you set another target so it's it's it, you never reward yourself so i sometimes catch myself saying those sort of things and then suddenly i'd appear all dressed up ready to go out and my partner would go what, what are you doing and you just said no we're not going out and i said no i've changed my mind because i realized i'm becoming a slave to the smallness and not the fun so we'd go out we'd have a lovely dinner out and then Later on, I'd look at my phone, smartphones. We weren't that into looking at our phone every five minutes 10 years ago, as we are now. There'd be sales coming through. There'd be inquiries for people saying, I want to work with you. It's literally when we change our energy, when we change that frenetic hold of this is how it's got to be. I've got until I, I was describing it last week to my mentor. It's like, like the old way is like we're almost trying to lay an egg, which would be impossible, you know, like the golden egg. I've got to hold it. I've got to hold it. I've got to hold it till it works. And this is like the, no, I've just got to trust it and flow and show up. You know, I'm not saying sit there and watch, you know, daytime TV and do nothing. It's it's not about that. It's about playing with the energy and being contrary, doing the opposite of what you always do. You know, how do how do you how do you know what's possible if you keep doing it all the same way? You know, do the opposite. Let your head scream. Don't do that. You know, don't go out. Don't go out. My head would scream. And I think tough. I am. How? So if people are in a position where they feel a bit stuck, let's say, at the moment, what would you say would be a good first step for them to kind of really connect with that intuition? So, If 
whenever you feel stuck, whether it's long term or in the moment, the first thing I say is get up off your chair or wherever you're sat, sofa, chair, bed, whatever it is, right? Get up. Because if you think about if somebody poured dust on you, you dust yourself off, right? Or if you'd been somewhere dusty, you dust yourself off. So we need to get up and dust ourselves off. So you move, move your energy quite literally to create a different perspective. So it's like you dust and literally dust yourself off. And you can see that I'm doing that right now. You know, get rid of that energy. Ooh, have a shake is the first thing. And then take one small action. What we do in those places of feeling stuck is we're looking for the, we can only see the, either the big end or the big action and it immobilizes us. So one action, if it means, if for example, you're writing a book, write a paragraph. Don't say I'm going to write a thousand words, write a paragraph and walk away. And 50% of the time you'll decide you want to write more and 50% of the time you'll walk away. It doesn't matter. Don't make it wrong what you do. You know, we're also very good at making ourselves wrong. I haven't done enough. You know, I, I only wrote 700 words and I'd said I was going to write a thousand and I'm so wrong. I'm so bad. It's never going to work. And it's like, stop making it wrong. Remind yourself it's always working. It's always working. Like we've got to start talking to ourselves in a softer, kinder way. And I know a lot of people find it hard because they sort of think, yeah, but it's fake. No, it isn't. This has got nothing to do with being fake. This is about kindness. This is about encouragement. And this is about the trust I was talking about, which I think is going to become increasingly a more important kind of collective reboot for everyone is how much are we willing to trust that the universe has got a plan and that we are part of it? So taking a small action, having that shake, taking a small action. I'm a firm believer in having an affirmation that we use. And I will, you know, and I'm not talking about paragraph long affirmation, something really simple. Like you, even it's always working. Say it in front of a mirror and say it to your reflection when you feel that stuckness overwhelming you or you feel like you're dipping and just thinking, why, sh why should I bother? Nothing's going to work. You know, we get like that. We shrug our shoulders. I will get up in that moment, do my shake, get to my mirror and say my affirmation. It doesn't take long, but you say it till you can feel it moving through your body. Just like somebody who's got asthma might have to take their inhaler or we'll take an antibiotic, you know, or, or if we've got lots of bites we'll take an it might put an itch cream on it you know whatever i take an antihistamine we'll take things got a headache inevitably we might try and drink water to get rid of it but we might take a paracetamol you know to to shift it the affirmation for me is like that spiritual antibiotic and you say it till you feel it it doesn't cure it doesn't do things like that but what it does is it gives you an opportunity it gives your it brings your mind along with you it stops it fighting you saying, why are you bothering? Don't do this. It's not going to work. You know, you're st just you're stuck. You're stuck. It brings your emotions with you. It gives them something else to think about because you're literally flooding your system with the affirmation and then go and take another action. So it, it, it takes discipline, which I know falls out the window for me when I'm in the throes of the drama of being stuck and when I'm in the throes of like when I'm at the foothills of a reboot what do we want to do run away because all you can see is a mountain there but but that's what life is you know it's you climb a mountain and then you get to the top and you go oh there's another mountain <laughs> and then you climb <laughs> another one so it's that is what life is and if it wasn't that we'd all be bored out of our brains if if we'd reached the pinnacle of who we are and what we were here to do right now in this moment we'd all want to go to sleep and just think forget it what's the point I was hoping to do more I was hoping to grow I was hoping for this and that and whatever but imagine if it was like no this is it you reach your pinnacle so in terms of people finding their magic have you got any tips on how they might do that? I've been a little bit of writing about this yesterday. You know, we're, it's the, the internet and scientists are debating, but it's somewhere between 93 and 97% of us 
humans are made of stardust <laughs> so you know and that has always amazed me in a way you know we're made of stars and and in the universe the stars that you see at night are, are moved by the same forces that support us you know the universe but finding your inner magic really is about daydreaming allowing it to emerge it's about that thing that you want to do and that doesn't mean you have to go and do it tomorrow you know the reason we don't is because we panic we've got to do it tomorrow but it's about taking those steps but it's about spending the time dreaming it's about spending the time connecting to who you know who am I not who am I as an expert yesterday therefore that's my expertise but who am I what do I love to do and 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 doing that kind of giving yourself that space and time to play to say so could I do this could I do that and these are things that we stop doing as adults quite easily because it's you know but I love I mean I've always loved just I, I used to do it in the car as a kid staring out the window daydreaming about what I was going to do when I was an adult and now I'm doing it on my sofa staring at my garden just allowing like ideas to kind of float in and out and seeing where they go do I like that do I, you know it's like trying on dresses or clothes does that does that fit does that fit does that fit so we've got to get into a much more playful energy to find our magic and then to actually start connecting to our intuition and developing that and for me intuition is always heart wisdom it is not gut wisdom you know and 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 this is where I think a lot of people find it really hard going yeah but my gut's really good yeah but your heart's even better you know, like for years I followed my gut. So I, I, I get it. Um, but when I started following my heart, it's a completely different frequency. It's like, you know, painting by numbers and then painting freehand. You know, suddenly a whole different kind of world opens up for you. Um, so if, if it's good now, it can be even better. Um, is to really start connecting to that energy. There are specific exercises around, you know, that you can do in terms of meditation, learning to listen, you know, learning to take the action that it gives because intuition will always be illogical and and trying to fit it into our logic. It's not always going to make sense and it doesn't give you the full picture always. So it's accepting, I'll take that step and then see what happens next. I'll take that step. So it's back to that playful energy. So definitely allowing yourself to develop your intuition very specifically, yes. Um, not assuming it and allowing yourself to have space to daydream, you know, whether it's sitting in the garden, sitting on the sofa or specifically, you know, you can even sit on the side of your bed and just just or sit you know lay on your bed whatever just to allow yourself to dream a little and go back to some things that you might have dropped yeah that you've told yourself you can't do yet we've all got them you know we've all got ideas haven't we that we wanted to do or we thought we were doing and then we got sidetracked and we've ended up sort of on this detour but that thing or there are certain things that have never really gone away mm, that you want to kind of revisit or tick off yeah or yeah a real kind of deep a deep down kind of yearning for something yeah and they don't go and we sometimes push them out the way but when you daydream they start to come back and 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 that's when you know you hear of you read about people's sort of experiences of how quickly things unfolded because it's it's just how it works when we're kind of playing in that energy suddenly things start to move and what seemed insurmountable or something that we weren't ready for just starts to come in like you'll meet somebody in the queue of a supermarket that happens to have a skill that you need or a contact and you know like the the kind of like oh my god right time right place but it's it's all magic because I just think that the universe is constantly conspiring um to give us a leg up so to speak so you talked a little bit before about coaches mentors trainers etc like being human and you know showing that vulnerability well I I agree with that but there's part of me that and we can't be perfect I absolutely know that and we do need to show our vulnerability but for me in the work that I do around kind of working with people on resilience and on well-being and on on that on that sort of mental health mental health fitness side I when I kind of see coaches that are being extremely vulnerable that do 
perhaps similar work to what I do, it really scares me because it feels like they need to do the work on themselves first before they can do work with others. Yeah, I completely agree. And 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 I think that I think there's a social there's a social media definition of vulnerability and a real true vulnerability. The energy of vulnerability is a strength. When it's used <laughs> yeah. even unconsciously as a marketing tool which it has become on social media to show you know the story of I was eating pizza out of a dustbin somebody else's take you know leftovers and pulled my life around and the next day I had a million pound launch or a million dollar launch kind of you know that kind of bs like blah 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 bored 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 there is this sense of if I tell you if I put my pain on a Facebook post or an Instagram story or whatever you know I'll show you how human I am and maybe you'll buy off me. It, that sounds really manipulative and it kind of, all marketing is manipulation in any case. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's a, that's a mess. That's the messy part of it. It's not, it's not authentic because there's, there's an, there's an agenda and the fact that you haven't done the work on yourself. For me, a lot of the, I've shared things here, but I don't necessarily, I don't wear them as a wound because I think we, if we're wearing a vulnerability as a wound and a way of getting yeah. sympathy and then hopefully getting sales is genuinely it's a little bit in the kind of shady side of it all so yeah I think that I think I think so, there's a real issue with social media and people's understanding of what vulnerability for me vulnerability is always a strength and I've, I've been saying it probably as far back as since 2008 you know when I started doing all this kind of more money stuff and 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 being out there more because social media has helped us be out there more and I now see a lot of other people say it and I think clearly by what you've written next you don't understand what it is because when we work through it it becomes part of our gold and our story to show people that the adversity isn't real it's the illusion and that we can move through this and we might not be the same as we were before it started, whatever it is, but we will be a different whole, more magical because we'll be we'll have that wisdom of the journey with us. So, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And there are lots of people, lots of things that you see where you think I, I saw something the other day on LinkedIn where somebody had written this whole thing about toxic clients. And she was obviously referring to a specific client of hers. And I felt like writing you need therapy. It was so passive aggressive yeah. and and of course, lots of people going, yeah, toxic clients. And I just thought you need to work through this because if your client broke your boundaries, that's you not holding your own boundaries. Um, so, yeah, there's often lots of things that where you think, oh, ow, you know, there's that bit of where we try and present perfect or we think we can mm. use it to our advantage in a marketing situation on social media. And yeah, it's not the best place yeah. to air things, but people feel that that is. But that's not vulnerability. Vulnerability isn't about what you post. <laughs> you know vulnerability is also about how honest we are with ourselves you know that was the biggest learning I've had in the last few years because I wasn't being honest with myself if I'm pretending everything's okay and I've got to have this front of perfection and immobilizing myself at either end of my big you know reboots I'm sure there's been others in any case you know when I was not earning and really beginning to fall down this hole of I'm not good enough and until I could admit that I'm falling down that hole, how could I change anything? You know, and so the vulnerability, that's why I love looking in front of a mirror to myself and going, right, Sarupa, what the F is going on? You know, just to get have a conversation with myself, to get some kind of, and, and I look at myself because it reveals, you know, my little twitch and my little look away from me. You know, everything will reveal something. Or like, oh, hang on a minute. And I have to tell myself, look at your eyes. Come on. What's really going on? What are you hiding? What are you not telling to yourself? That's the vulnerability. Um, the rest of it is just the dramatics of it, I think, and a marketing thing that, you know, hopefully one day people will wake up to. So next question is, how do you switch off so you can switch on and perform at your best? Um, So I stopped putting myself in boxes, you know, and I know you said that at the beginning, but when we worked, if you ever, if have you ever been employed in the corporate sector, you know, I'd have my work clothes and you'd have your going out clothes, you'd have your holiday clothes which you'd never wear in this country, however hot it got, you know, (laughs) only special beach clothes or, you know, clothes to wear in Spain and Greece and wherever you were going on holiday. Never, ever seen the light of day in this country. 
so you know that type of thing you had the these kind of different personas and yes we are different we sh we show different parts of us but I stopped kind of putting myself in a box and people still do they think my sole purpose is my business Monday to Friday nine to five <laughs> you know type of thing oh no it's holidays I can't do that and I realized no what am I doing I, I'm me all the time that made that took the pressure off actually weirdly from trying to think about those different things I'm really quite easy on myself if I want to work weekends if I don't want to work weekends I'm also really good at telling myself you've done a few weekends in a row time to stop you know I go away a lot in the world when we could I've just organized again visit a friend in the Isle of Wight you know first time in god knows how long since the pandemic um, I have lots of breaks in the day. I'm a full encourager of like what I call delight time. So not just my Barbara Cartland time. I'll stop and do, I'll stop and watch a Judd Judy in the middle of the day. It's just continuously, I like to keep myself on my toes. So I never know what I'm going to do. Am I going to have a nap after this? <laughs> Am I going to go and make a lunch? Am I going to go and get a takeaway? You know, it's like keeping myself on my toes a little bit. Yeah, so, and and obviously the world we live in, smartphones um, are a pain in the bum yeah. because we're constantly attached to them and which means that we can't switch off but again I've chilled out on it and the second you chill out and don't think oh my god I shouldn't be holding my phone I should be doing this I should be watching this program or you know I should be focusing on my cooking and not looking at Facebook or whatever as soon as you chill out on it it stops having that emotional charge and I've ended up doing it less because on my iPhone it tells me how much screen time I've had I'd quite like to turn it off because it's quite embarrassing when I look at the numbers sometimes <laughs> you know you just think how much screen time um, but I do a lot of work actually on my phone you know like sometimes I'm in the morning when my office is my bed I'm doing emails and things like that from 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 my phone but it, it's, um, you know, it will often show that I had a whatever percentage less time on the screen time. So I kind of think, well, that's great. That's a win. But it's taking away. It's that thing I said earlier. Don't make things wrong. Yeah. You know, because the second we make it wrong, because, oh, my God, that person over there said that they stop work at three o'clock on a Friday and blah, 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 blah. And I can't because I've got a, you know, I've got a client at six. So there's something wrong with me. And it's like, no, it isn't. There's nothing wrong. Don't make things wrong. And I also make diary dates for myself in, in the diary, which I think is so important. So for things like meditation, doing my affirmations. Now, I can do them spontaneously. But there are times when I might not feel the desire to do them spontaneously. And then you, then I think oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then it's half 10, 11 at night. And I know if I meditate at that time of night, generally, I'll be out cold, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, and it's the most beautiful sleep ever. And I can convince myself I meditated. No, I didn't. I had a snooze, you know, because it's basically body saying we're quite close to bedtime anyway. Um, so it's making those dates for yourself, you know, and there was lots of reasons I went into wanting to go full time in my business. But one thing was I didn't want to be told what to do because I'm terrible at being told what to do. As you, I could not that you possibly know. guess that at all. <laughs> I wanted the freedom because all the jobs I had were really funny because they were very flexible about working already then, which suited me because I, I didn't want to do rush hour on the tubes. I'm, and I wanted to be able to work from home and I'd instigate it all anyway so I could do more working from home. So that was really important to me to be, have flexible working different things and then when I moved to Spain I kind of did it even more because in Spain there's a siesta and if you pop down to the shops before siesta closed everybody would be having beers and lunch and I'd be thinking oh my god I've got work in the afternoon and so English of me so I changed all my work to the morning which means I have afternoons freer it doesn't always work like that you're allowed to break your own rules but it's it's really playing with your diary making your time you know so I'll have like weeks that are busier for clients and weeks that are less so I know I've got more playtime because they were important to me when I started my business you know it was important to have then all my nieces and nephews are really young but I wanted to go and spend more time with them and play with them I mean now they don't want to see me but if I can spend time whatsapping them going how are you can we meet no 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 <laughs> you know it's so important to go back to what your reasons what your values were for yourself you know what was the how you wanted to, your business to make you feel and review that and I don't think we do that enough I think it kind of just a bit like a lot of businesses have you know mission corporate values whatever they just suddenly go out the window once they've done the one day exercise and the one day launch of it 
but it's like what does that mean how does it mean for me to live that freedom in my business what does that need to look like at them and that will change as well as I change um it could be that I only want to work one week you know do long hours in one week and have three weeks to play especially if I go and live in a different country and if I'm living in Bali I don't want to be when you're living by the beach in a tropical paradise why do you want to be at your desk when when you can rearrange your lifestyle so it's it's really about that and not making things wrong and allowing yourself to change you know we're not concrete posts yeah absolutely (laughs) the next part of the reboot is to ask you what is your human flourishing formula for life God, what would be my human flourishing formula for life is laugh a lot. Don't mock yourself, but laugh. You know, I I have been very good at mocking myself and maybe been a little bit putting myself down in the past and people would point it out to me. And when I heard it on audio, I realised it's not very nice, actually. You know, when you're being a bit derogative about yourself, it's it's not great comedy either. It's a way of you diminishing yourself. But you're all right to laugh. You're right to laugh when it didn't quite go according to plan. You're all right to laugh when your launch didn't work. You know, it's okay. And when we laugh, we we literally lighten the load. We're lighthearted in every sense of the word. And it's through the lightheartedness that we will allow ourselves to continue to listen to our heart and our heart can continue to guide us. Um, But as soon as we heavy the load, we'll shut ourselves off because we're taking it on as a burden we've taken it on in the way that I described before you know it's a punishment it's my bad karma it's the drama so if we can be a bit light about it and we'll learn it it makes life easier you know people have often said to me what's the purpose of life what's you know what's the purpose of my life and I've often I've been in search of that question for years you know which is why I'm so good at doing it for people you know who am I why am I here and often spirit would say to me to have fun. And it wasn't, I, I thought that wasn't big enough, you know, or grand enough. And I realized as I've got older, yeah, it's about fun. If it's not fun. Why am I doing it? If it's not fun, why am I feeling it? If it's not fun, why am I thinking it? Why am I stewing over it? If it's not fun, let it go, you know, um, and lighten your load. Oh, I find this so interesting because, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, about through the episode have been about almost like a bit like you become more conditioned as you become an adult and expectations on behavior and you know question that and do it in a different way and what's really really um resonating with me in the just the last little bit that you've talked about is around so around the NHS's five ways to well-being some research was actually done on children and this was sort of around 2012 time um, by the New Economic Foundation, I think. Um, and it was in conjunction with the Children's Society. And they looked at the five ways to well-being and tried to find out if if it was the same for children as it was for adults. And there was one area that was missing. You know, the, the, the area that they came up with was imagination, creativity and play. And you've talked about kind of that playfulness, really. Um, and that sort of links into kind of the laughter part. And I and I actually think that as adults, that we do lose some of that because we're expected to behave in a certain way where, you know, we're expected to, you know, we've got to go and, you know, be be the ones that, you know, bring in the money or look after the children or or all of those things. And yeah, I just find it it quite interesting because laughter and play and And the day you know, imagination is the daydreaming, you know. And 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 I can guarantee to everyone listening there will be a point where even if it's just one little thing that you had that you were one day imagining that has become real but we quickly forget that bit again as adults you know we quickly then go back to the stuff of the conditioning I've got to behave in this way I've got to think like this I've got to show up like this but the bit that whether it was you dreamt about visiting a different country or creating something in your business, it doesn't always have to be about business, but you you had a kind of imagination moment with it, a dreaming moment of it, and it just suddenly happened. You got invited or something occurred, somebody collaborated with you, and it was so easy, and then we forget that. And we've got to start creating an evidence bank of those things, of 
when it was easy, when it worked in in that kind of magical way and start looking to that. So when I was younger, so I've had two really like amazing things happen that are quite, well, people say woo, which was when I met my husband, basically he'd phoned me and then I was supposed to phone him before I went away on holiday. And I went to phone phone him. Anyway, the number didn't work. I was like, you pig. <laughs> um, you've given me the wrong bloody number. Anyway, I went on holiday. In the second week, I think, of that holiday, um, somebody was riding past with a T-shirt on. They were on a bike and they rode past. And he was, at the time, I lived over in Lancashire. He, he lived over in Leeds. And he had this T-shirt on. And it said, Leeds, the best city in the world. And I thought, oh, that's funny. And then I just watched as he rode past this person on this bike. And on the back, it said STD code. Oh, yeah. The code. And around that time, I think it was like 01532 rather than yeah. 01132, which is the leads now. And I went, oh, I rang the wrong number. Because I'd rung 017. That's given me tingles. I love that. That was like the universe saying, Oi, you, listen up. (laughs) You two, you two, yin and yangs, you're supposed to be together. Oh, that's giving me my whole body tingle. Yeah. So, and then there was another time as well, which was when we were trying for children and I needed an operation on the TV on GMTV it came on a little mini so when I was younger my nana always said to me that when I learned to drive it would be around the time that she'd probably have to give up driving so she would give me her mini so this mini we used to go everywhere in when we were like young when it was like it was a mini Mayfair and it was like this metallic green like metallic kind of mint green like pale green it was it was quite almost sort of off champagne colour um yeah and it was metallic which was like in those days was quite you know quite posh wasn't it unfortunately by the time I was 17 my nana died and so I never got the mini but on that day the mini came on the like came on the tea was like win this mini so I thought oh I'm gonna enter so I entered and I was like come on Nana I need my mini and I got to work and I got a phone call to say I'd won it there you go only time in my life I've ever won anything but (laughs) um I was like what um so I sold mini and paid for the operation there you go so that and they're quite two huge things and getting a husband and the mini and then paying for the operation but there'll be lots of other little mini ones you know that we almost brush away where things have just fallen into place you know like I had a thought and there it is you know and and there's I say to everybody get a journal that becomes your evidence bank that you need to read when you are having the oh no's about life or that it's not working or there's something so wrong with me why can't I make it work get an evidence book yeah all the world's against me yeah I, I talk to people about that in terms of you know when you are like a positive data log is what I call it. It's like, you know, when you get those negative thoughts as part of managing those negative thoughts that let's go back to all those things that have happened that are good or those things that, you know, people have said about us or those client testimonials or whatever work you're in, you know, things that you've positive things that you can kind of totally and I I would also add to it and maybe it's different for your client group but with mine I would say to them put the evidence in of other people as well that if other people are having good things happen because a lot of the time that we begin to believe that we don't have good things happen is because we're being punished by this out you know outer world universe something whatever it is you know or it's it stopped it stopped looking to us or shining its light on us or whatever so I would say that like your success with the podcast goes in my evidence bank book so that if I decide ever to do a podcast and I want to have a wobble about it and talk myself out of it I can say no it's possible because look there are people doing amazing things and it's brilliant and it's lovely and it's great and even if it's got nothing to do with me doing a podcast it's it's evidence of the fact that you can people do things people have an idea and it manifests because they make it happen and they allow it to happen so it's okay to even look to other people um and and that's how we get inspired by it you know and that's how we're all connected yeah 
I love that. So for people that perhaps are feeling that they have become kind of they've maybe have lost some of that intuition that perhaps they had or spotting those things that they could put into their little evidence bank what would be a good starting point for them to start to spot some of the little signs that there might be in the universe so I mean you've got I, I, the first thing is to start that evidence bank so and you can go back to even when you were a kid so if you got you know if you were in called to be in the netball team or football team or if you were called to be I was the head of the choir <laughs> and I can't sing I don't know how I did it I can't sing anymore but you know so they sort we can go back to all of that because that's still part of our, the tapestry of who we are so we can go back to things that we might find easier to find evidence from because um, there's probably you know we're probably less um, downbeat about those things because they're there they're fixed you know if you're in the school production if you learn a language learn you know um, played a musical instrument whatever it is you know did something in Girl Guide Scouts whatever you know got a badge for something that now you giggle about like camping that you'd never go but you did then and whatever you know so having some fun with it to start creating that evidence bank and it then has that kind of rolling moss proverb thing you know then you'll start to think oh yeah and actually last year during the pandemic I did launch this thing and helped you know seven people yeah, yeah. and then you start so you've 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 got us you've got to start that I think that that's really important and it's something that you can then go and look at like we just said you know earlier um and then look that we will always have things that we know we're not doing so you know, my clue is when I stop meditating or when I stop saying my affirmations, when I don't want to look in the mirror. You know, the only time I look in the mirror is when I'm brushing my teeth because there happens to be one in the bathroom, you know, and the other times. So there's all we've all got our own little clues. You know, we know. And it might be when you're eating through a whole packet of biscuits. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but you'll know that that's what you do when you're trying to stuff away stuff. So that's not to say stop doing the actual action, but it's to start saying, hey, what do I want to do instead? Yeah. So do I need to do I need to give myself do I need to get up five minutes early if you're not in that mood? Do I need to block out, you know, 11 till quarter past 11 tomorrow to do my meditation, you know, and use a guided meditation. Don't sit there and try and think about meditating or meditate and end up thinking because it's a it's a fool's game. There's plenty of, you know, guided meditations So start connecting to yourself. Go and do the walk that you've stopped doing. Yeah. Um, you know, there are all, it's always the good stuff that goes out the window first. You know, that's our first and biggest clue. So we'll stop walking. We'll stop maybe eating as well as we would like to. Not that there's anything, you know, I'm not definitely not a food kind of Nazi about anything I think eat what you like you know but but I know that I have my clues and and make the time to do those things where you get to connect with yourself and definitely don't be afraid and I say this particularly to your women um, listeners because there is this thing of I'm a woman therefore I'm really intuitive actually men are it's equal there's no men or women divide on any of this it happens to be a feminine energy gift. That doesn't mean that it's only for women. It's just a polarity of energy. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with the sexes, but we do need to stop holding that story of it's a feminine thing, so it's for women only. And that in saying I'm intuitive, I must be fully, you know, it's a journey. Everything is a journey. Nothing is a destination in life. Um, but like I was saying earlier, if we reached, the, if we knew we were at the pinnacle of everything now, like we'd reach the destination for our life, you know, what would be the point of anything else beyond this moment? So it's a journey. Allow yourself to go and develop, learn, grow, you know, be mentored, join a workshop, join a development circle, whatever it is that floats your boat allow yourself to do those things and 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 stop viewing growth as a sign of weakness or failure you know growth is actually just a sign of growth <laughs> it's gone it's no, no more no less and our brains love it because it's a little muscle that it likes yeah. to uh, that it likes to enjoy that little bit of 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 extra learning so if are there any books or groups or podcasts or anything that have helped you along your way my god so many and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be stumped to remember things, but I, I mean I think, you know, search on YouTube, for example, if you you know if you don't want to 
if you don't want to yet buy your own kind of meditations or whatever, search on YouTube for something, you know, a calming meditation or a connection meditation. And you'll find you'll find some stuff that will make you giggle. <laughs> then you And you'll find some brilliant stuff as well. I think there's a wealth of information out there if you want it, you know. You know, come and join my Facebook group. Come and find those right places to come and, you know, and everybody will resonate to something different. Like some people like listening to music, you know, or whatever that can that that, that can create a kind of inner lift and 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 mood change and 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 inspire us. So find what it is. It might be a run. It might be going running. It might be taking up a new hobby. It doesn't have to be, oh, because I'm feeling stuck. I better do or want to connect to this or do that. Yeah. Washing up. I refuse to have a dishwasher and I love washing up, but partly because from when I was a kid, washing up when I was old enough and asked to do it was like my medit like a kind of I did it in this mindfulness way and that would be where I'd get lots of inspiration and insights and things. So we you know, we'll get like suddenly an answer to a problem while we're driving because we're not actually thinking yeah. about it. Or in the shower. Yeah, absolutely. So you yeah. know, sh- I'm not saying go and shower more, but you can. But you know, you <laughs> go, go going for a walk, but on your own, not even with the dog you know I know that people who have dogs are like yeah but I have to I can't go out for a walk with that dog yeah you can you know you can go and do 15 minutes on your own because sometimes you because when you've got the dog there or whatever your kind of attention is semi semi you know but it's almost like doing that kind of going to have a tea coffee wine whatever it is that floats your boat on your own just to have that little bit of you space to allow things to process and taking ourselves out of our environment because a lot of us who work from home especially the last you know however many I know everyone's experienced having to be working from home um, but you realize how short your journey to work is from the bedroom yeah and how actually you can spend days maybe not going out especially if you don't have kids (laughs) you've got to run around after um so it's actually having to take that time and effort to break yourself out of the room you're in because that environment can become habitual and can trigger our habitual thinking um and taking yourself out into a different space and environment checking out youtube you know buying yourself some meditations yeah joining things and I mean I just think search find and trust you will find the right thing and on that note if people want to get in touch with you how do they do that um you can find me on my website soulagentblog.com and if you just do a search for Sarupa Shah um on social media you'll find you'll find everything you know I'm on Instagram at Sarupa um I'll send you the links but they're all there and any of the socials are a good way to connect with me if you want to send me a message if you want to give any feedback or tell me that you didn't agree with anything I said on this podcast it's all good you know um you know whatever so it's all good but yeah that's how you can connect with me and thank you for being on the podcast today I have loved your breaking the rules on spirituality and life thank you for having me Emma I've loved it and I'd love to come back again thank you for listening to the human reboot podcast I'm Emma Last and if you've enjoyed this episode please leave me a five-star podcast review and visit thehumanrebootmovement.com where you can find downloadable free resources, sign up to my mailing list or connect with me on social. So that's thehumanrebootmovement.com. Let's switch off so we can switch on. It's time for your human reboot.